This is a trigger warning for this episode. Number one, uh, this is an episode that is out of the ordinary. We're talking about some very, very serious topics. We're going to be talking about ableism. We're going to be talking about discrimination. We're going to use some language that is not typical of the Autistic Culture Podcast, and this episode is intended for an older audience. Please note that uh, it's going to probably make you sad, probably make you angry, but we talk about these topics so that you can be better educated and better advocate for yourself and your fellow autistic people. So please listen with care. Episode 36, Bad Autism Diagnoses. Special episode. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of the show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Hey, everybody, it's Angela and Matt, and it is our summer hiatus, but we decided we needed to bring you a special episode, maybe if only for our own mental health, <laughs> but also for yours. This is a really important conversation, and actually, the way that I met Matt, and I think a way that a lot of you met Matt, is because of his strengths-based diagnosis of autism, and you would think the guy who is one of the most pioneering people in strengths-based diagnosis would get a strengths-based diagnosis in his life, in the people that he knows and loves, because we know that this kind of diagnosis is for the entire family system, part of a positive and healing process and uh, not making things worse. But alas, we do not control the world, although we probably should. And Matt, I know you've had a rough couple of weeks. You've written about it a little, but I wanted us to have a chance today to sort of talk about your first person experience with what, what used to be a normal autism diagnosis, the way it was done all the time. We know in the past 10 years that's changed, but I would say most of the time, when someone gets a diagnosis, it is a bad experience. So give us, set the scene. We're going to talk about what 
what bad autism diagnoses look like, you've got some personal experience. Yeah. Oh, God. So uh, around two years ago, my ex got on a, a waiting list to go to this place uh, locally to get an autism diagnosis for my son because I was very clear. Yeah. Our son is autistic. He's like me. I'm doing work. I'm setting up an autism center. I'm doing all this. I want to make sure he's checked out. So instead of, you know, taking my recommendations and going to one of my many friends who also do this, she decided to go with one of the more popular choices here in Louisville. And the whole process was so, so for the past I, since I found out about it, I've been dreading it because I knew that this was coming. I found out about six months before we went uh, and they put it off and uh, it, it, they kept changing the dates because they did that. And finally, I said, no, we're not changing dates. I can't change stuff around anymore. We're not doing that. So finally, the date came and we went in. Was that and, your rigid inflexibility, Matt? God, it's just, it, I think that some people just crave chaos and I just don't mm -hmm. understand it. Why would we crave chaos? Yeah. So I think the person, you knew who was going to do this diagnosis and I think you guys might have even been on a board or you were in some meetings together or something, so right? So I, I am on the Kentucky Autism, uh, Kentucky Advisory Council for Autism. Uh, and I am on here with uh, this guy's boss. Uh, mm. So I, I knew the guy's boss. And I know that the guy's boss is the guy's boss pedals ABA, right? So ABA is part a big part of this particular system. So of course he's going to be a proponent of it. So I kept saying, no, try somebody else. No, here, try these people. No, try these people. But my ex is like, no, this will be fine. This is adequate because again, all autism diagnoses are the same apparently. So I want to stop here because I think this is such a good point. I um, have worked with, I don't know, dietitians, nutritionists, who talk a lot about like keto or paleo. And if you go to them for a diagnosis on why you're gaining weight, their answer is going to be because you are eating not enough protein and too much carbohydrate because they already believe that. Yeah. So when you're, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. And if you go to someone who you know is part of the ABA therapy system, it it does sort of tell you a lot about what your diagnosis experience is going to be like. So I want to, for listeners that are thinking of getting diagnosed, whether they're adults or whether it's for their kids, what are some questions you were asking when you're having this conversation with your wife? And she's like, let's just get a good diagnosis by, let's say, the best known person in our town as a uneducated person. That sounds pretty smart. But if you know some things, you might be asking different questions. So what were the questions you were wishing she was asking that she wasn't? <laughs> uh, about whether they see autistic people as human beings, because apparently, yeah, because <laughs> so, so yeah. So when I went in, uh, number one, my son was very distressed to be there. He was very happy that I was there. He apparently didn't know that I was going to be there. So he sat and we drew electric towers while we were waiting for this guy. And uh, he was asking all sorts of questions. And some of the questions that he was asking are, does he have 
authentic, genuine friendships because autistic people don't have friendships. Mm -hmm. It's that uh, whole theory of mind thing again. Yeah. We're barely humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was asking, does he make eye contact? Does he, you know, uh, oh God, where are some of the other ones? Jeez, uh, it was, I should have written them down, but I was so horrified at the time. Uh, so, so anyway, he, he started asking him questions like, what is your name? And of course he's, where do you go to school? And my son, uh, we've been watching the Mandalorian and, uh, baby Yoda Grogu had to go off to Jedi school. So he <laughs> says, baby Yoda goes to Jedi school. He doesn't want to leave daddy Mando, but he has to go to Jedi school to be a Jedi. So that was his answer. And he said, Oh, okay. So, so anyway, he, he, uh, he decides to see my son alone for a while. And we go across the hall to a room nearby. My son wants to follow us. He says, no, you have to stand here. And I said, well, we'll be right over here. You have to play some games and look at a book and basically outline the ADOS. And I could hear him the entire time uh, saying that he, he wanted to go see daddy. He wanted to go to McDonald's and get chicken McNuggets and French fries and a vanilla shake. He wanted to draw. He didn't want to do those things. So because of all that, because he didn't have... And uh, 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 a rapport with the evaluator, mm -hmm. as it was said, uh, he decided that my son has an IQ of 70, which is borderline Wait, function. Why were why were we doing an IQ test? Uh, what does yeah. IQ test have to do with autism diagnosis and why would we be doing one anyway? Well, that's the thing. Neurotypicals uh, and again, working with an organization doing neurotypical based autism evaluations. Uh, one former supervisor said, Matt, you have to do an you have to do IQ tests because you don't know what's I what's uh, an intellectual deficit and what's autism because neurotypicals think that autism automatically equals intellectual deficits. Oh, yeah. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's the thing, because if you're this is a common. So there is uh, I didn't know this, but I've been getting some referrals based on the feedback left on a, a different person's website. Uh, because mm -hmm. someone left a review that said that this person was horrible, this, that, and everything else, and said that I was too smart to be autistic, and then they referred people to me. So people see that review and they come to me. And, but this is a problem because there are a lot of neurotypicals who are under the impression that autistic people have to have intellectual deficits. And... Uh, by definition, if you are neurotypical, you cannot be gifted. You have to have an average IQ. So well, with the word typical yeah, in that's, there. That's the definition all. of it. Brain average. So so again, there's, there is this duality <laughs> of discrimination, yet somehow elevation of being neurotypical when they can't possibly be superior. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe we have to be inferior so they can be superior because right. they're typical. Right. And so I, I'm already... I mean, I always say this is how on American Idol, if you want to know who's going to win, it's the most average of the finalists. Yeah, yeah. The best person is never going to win on American Idol because... And people are average. The voters are average. We want average people to win. I noticed a long, long time ago, there was, uh, and you can look this up on YouTube, there is a McDonald's commercial with, uh, I believe it's called hand dancing. Mm 
where people just make their hands dance back and forth. And these people were viral before being on the McDonald's ad. But the McDonald's ad doesn't focus on the hand dancing. It focuses on people's reaction to the hand dancing, not the people who are being extraordinary. The ordinary people responses to the extraordinary. It is. And, and this is another thing. I was talking with somebody. Uh, I've been off for a week with my son right after the evaluation. but uh, Which is good. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm in burnout mode, hardcore. Uh, but uh, I, I was talking with somebody about uh, this is uh, an actual thing from the CW. Because uh, there was a show Smallville about Superman, right? Yeah, of course. So one of the complaints by the writers is that the producers said that people turn on the show, but don't pay attention. So you can't have too much going on during the show because they'll lose track. So that's why the show Smallville has a whole bunch of really intense close-ups and things that don't go anywhere. Right. And this is, this is the, the banality that we deal with. And that's right. why, again, they have to say that autism is super bad and that we are somehow deficient. And, and so these are some things if you're going into a diagnosis, you're thinking about a diagnosis, first of all, ask what the treatment plan is, because yeah. you already know if their treatment plan is going to be ABA, like if you have a child and we're talking about getting your kid diagnosed, if they support Autism Speaks, if they support ABA, what they're telling you is we are going to approach the diagnosis from a medicalized or a pathological perspective and, you know, another thing you can ask is, do you incorporate IQ testing yeah. in your, that's going to tell you. So you got to look for, because you're going to get out of the diagnosis experience, kind of what you ask for. You can't go to a pizza place and ask for Chinese food and yeah. expect it to be good. You're not going to get it. And you were going to a pizza place and, I mean, you knew you weren't getting Chinese food, but man, you got you got a lot of pizza. And, and there's a long, mm. ableist history of IQ testing because, fun fact, the first IQ test was designed to keep Jews out of the military. Uh, uh, got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, so uh, when we <sighs> get back through this, he was saying, well, he didn't uh, have a rapport with me and uh, I couldn't get him to focus on things. So he has an IQ of 70. And I was like, so if he didn't focus on things, that must mean it's invalid. And he said, oh, it's valid. It's just that he's got a low IQ. And I'm like, well, I do this for a living. That's invalid. So anyway, he, he just completely dismisses that and continues on and said, well, he's definitely autistic. And he, so his definition of autism is that it's a genetic, uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's a neurological disability that inhibits uh, social, uh, and uh, social relationships. And I said, you know, it's been a long time since I've heard a typical mansplain autism to me. And he said, ha, 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 because again, this man is like the Joker. And he's like, what do you mean? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, I do autism evaluations. I'm one of two people in the state of Kentucky who are qualified to do autism diagnoses. Uh, I'm autistic and we see it very differently. Ha, ha, ha. What, what do you mean you see it differently? I said, well, number one, uh, most of my mom's family is autistic. My son is autistic. I'm autistic. It's 
it's inherited. It's uh, genetic. Uh, we see it as a way of our people. It is due to uh, we don't respond to mTORs, a mammalian target of rapamycin, which means that we don't do synaptic pruning. We have hyperconnected brains. We have great big emotions. We have sensory overload. All of these things contribute to us perceiving the world very differently from you all. He said, ha, ha, well, we'll agree to disagree. And I'm like, you fucker. <laughs> Sorry. How, yeah. Not used to we, going blue on how that. How do we yeah. agree to disagree? Yeah. It's very. So did he not know it, who you were in no. the. Oh, oh God, no. Throughout? No, he had no idea. Had no idea. No okay. Idea. Let us talk about the DSM. Yeah. That lovely criteria. So he, uh, in his worldview, it is a, a neurological disorder that has no cure. And he's using presumably the DSM to diagnose it. So I know the the social communication, like, I don't know, you suck at social communication, I think is what the DSM says. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and you take that and you kind of reinterpret it. So yeah. how, if someone was doing a diagnosis with you, how do you take that part of the criteria and how would you look at it? And how would you look at it with a kid like your son? Honestly, everything is is really, really different because so I rewrote the DSM criteria a long time ago. And I, I think that that's what uh, put me in touch with Meg Proctor and what put me in touch with you. So uh, I, I rewrite the DSM as uh, so if you have the DSM handy. I, I don't know if you do or not. Uh, I say, well, and we'll link to it in the show. We'll yeah. link to the diagnosis and Matt's uh, reframing. Yeah. I say different social communication and interaction as evidenced by the following. One, differences in communication, tendency to go off on tangents, tendency to talk passionately about special interests, and tendency not to engage in small talk. Two, differences in nonverbal communication, including stimming while talking, looking at something else while talking, and being bored with conversations. Three, due to the above differences in communication, autistic people tend to be shunned by neurotypicals and therefore are conditioned to believe that we're somehow less social. Criteria B, repetitive behavior or interest as mm. evidenced by at least two before of the we get to Before we get to re repetitive behavior, just oh, looking yeah. at social communication, if you were looking at a kid uh, like your son, how would you have observed differences in his social communication? Presumably you would have built rapport. Yeah. But what would you have noticed... Uh, and how long would it have taken you to notice those things? Instantly. Uh, cause again, my, <laughs> my kids started off by uh, wanting to draw electric towers and talking about electric towers and talking about bridges. And, uh, he, he's very, very interested in all of these things and wants to so share look with at the that world. Very first one tendency to talk passionately about special interests. Oh yeah. And let's say you wanted to build rapport with somebody who had a tendency to talk passionately about social interests so that your diagnosis could be more accurate. What might you do? Uh, talk to them about the things that they want to talk about, because again, <laughs> this is how we treat human beings instead of, you know, <laughs> the, when you approach, when you approach a diagnosis, assuming that a person is somehow defective, you dehumanize them from the onset. And right. again, this guy dehumanized my son from the very moment we walked in. I was going to say, did he engage in conversation no. about the... No. No. So then he's like, oh, couldn't build rapport, no theory of mind. Like, 
uh, I think I know why you couldn't build rapport. You had the opening. Yeah. Might I recommend a little electric tower chatter? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you the, could probably get a more accurate IQ test if that's important to you. Exactly. And, if you're not insulting your client. And this is the thing, because a, several topics that we talked about, like My Little Pony, uh, come from me learning about other people's special interests, because I love learning about new spins. Oh, my God. I was talking to an autistic person the other day and they're like, I have, I was like, oh, what's your, what's your special interest? What are you into? And he's like, I've got 50 shrimp. I'm like, 50 shrimp? Are we eating shrimp? Shrimp cocktail? Stuffed shrimp? What could the shrimp be? No, no, no. Aquariums filled with shrimp from all over the world. I know nothing about shrimp. That's fantastic. I got a whole freaking info dump on shrimp. I didn't even know shrimp was a thing. Wow. They're amazing. They're that, amazing. I love connecting with people on their special interest. Now, I'm not going to go start collecting shrimp. It's not my special interest, but oh my God, did I learn a lot. Uh, and it was so fascinating. And, and that, so again, tr so uh, right before the evaluation, uh, I took my son to see uh, live action Thomas, a, an enormous life-size locomotive that you can ride on Thomas and go on a short trip. And then, you know, Thomas talks and all this other stuff. We went to the Kentucky Railway Museum. Everyone who volunteers there is autistic. Uh, all the kids there, clearly autistic. They may not know it, but they're autistic. So uh, I'm standing there and this guy uh, says, hey, how are you? Hi, how are you? You like trains? Yeah, I like trains. And then you start into an info dump about how to rebuild a diesel locomotive. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, this is the stuff. I like Bring this. Bring it. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is mana from heaven, man. Because, I mm. mean... That's the thing. It's just they're so excited to talk about their special. This is our people. And it's the, to have such two completely different experiences in the same week. It, mm. it, it's just it's horrifying because, again, as soon as I told this guy that I'm autistic, he did not hear that I'm a professional. He did not hear that I am on a council. He did not hear that, you know, I have a podcast, that I'm writing books, that uh, I have a group of 1,300 people, that uh, I do evaluations, I do therapy, that I've invented a form of therapy called AUCT. Uh, we, he did not hear any of that. He just said, ah, oh, yeah, you're one of those uh, weird brains. So, yeah, weirdos. But but at at the Kentucky Railway Museum, everyone there so inviting, so happy mm. to share all of their interests, so happy to go on deep deep dives. Yeah, it was um, oh god, it's fantastic. Them, if you told them to stop talking about trains, they probably would have been a little less friendly. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, that's not how you treat human <laughs> beings. <laughs> so. Uh, so right away, before you book your diagnosis, you want to ask about treatment. You want to ask about IQ tests. You get there and they are not engaging with your shrimp talk or your train talk or your electric tower talk. I know a lot of you are waiting one year, two years, three years for diagnoses. Literally walk out. Yeah. You have an immediate bathroom issue yeah. and you must get to your home bathroom. Yeah. Just figure out the money stuff later. Leave. It is not worth being dehumanized. You will know it. If they are not asking you any questions about your special interest, this is not going to go well. No, not at all. Not going to go well. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, 
check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. Okay, criteria B, repetitive behavior. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Because again, they, they, okay, so again, the DSM criteria is based on how we influence the neurotypicals around us. If we irritate neurotypicals by fidgeting, that's part of the criteria. So we reframe this as, number one, stimming or engaging in echolalia. Number two, security in routines. Autistic people do not have a sensory filter, so the world is perceived as a constant state of chaos. Routines and expectations give comfort to overwhelmed autistic people. Because again, they see it as problematic that we can't just go with their flow, but they can't go with our flow. Because again, they're the right ones and we're the wrong ones. Uh, Special interests, spins. Due to hyperconnected brains, autistic people feel more passionately about what we love. So when we have a special interest, we tend to fawn over and fixate on it instead of obsessions. Because he saw the electric towers as being problematic. And indeed, part of ABA is to not pay attention to a kid's quote-unquote obsessions and to force them to do other stuff and take their special interests away from them until they're normal. Hmm. And number four, what happens when what happens when you take a special interest away from an autistic person? It's traumatizing because, again, let's say that a neurotypical enjoys, I don't know, football. And you say, well, obviously you can't have football anymore. That neurotypical would be very, very upset about having their football taken away. Or worse, can we take small talk away from Seriously, them? Can you imagine? Yeah. They might die. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, No banal chatter. Yeah. You will be zapped with a taser. Yeah, you'll be shocked you, every time you say, I'm fine. Right. It's, like, it, it's, it would just be a complete and utter revolt. Like people... You have to sit in the corner alone. You like, we're not going to let you have any small talk unless you draw 100 electric towers. Each must be different. And and again, it comes from this supposed place of superiority where these neurotypicals think that they are somehow better than us and we have to do things their way. And it's just... So, so anyway, he was talking about ABA and I said, no, we're not doing ABA and I don't want the report to have ABA or Autism Speaks or Feet of Louisville or anything in there. And he said, well, ABA is good. And I was like, no, it's not good. It's a hate crime. And he said, well, some ABA is good. And I said, no, ABA is not good. Because again, for people, if you're listening to this podcast, you either already know or someone has informed you. But for those who don't know, ABA was formed by this guy named Ivar Lovas, who believed that autistic people are not human. And uh, he he originally had electric shocks and 40 hours a week of behavioral quote unquote therapy to force kids to make eye contact and not engage in special interests. And today the Judge Rotenberg Center still uses electric shocks on autistic kids that are three times more powerful than police tasers because there is a belief that autistic people can't feel pain. Ivar Lovas was also instrumental in creation of gay conversion, quote unquote, therapy, because he also believed that homosexuals were not people. And he was instrumental in the Feminine Boy Project, if you want to take a break and look that one up, which, of course, led to a lot of death because a lot of kids committed suicide after being subjected to this kind of stuff. And again, this kind of stuff leads to suicide in autistic people, too. Right. And I think that... 
I mean, that's it's super key to stop here because I know a lot of people who listen know this stuff, but I have heard from a lot of parents who said they listened, they realized their kid might be autistic, they're thinking of getting their kid diagnosed, they go to you and find out you work with people in Kentucky and you've got a waiting list, and then they're like, where do I go? How do I get a diagnosis? And I have had several people come to me and say they went to their their pediatrician. Yeah. And then their pediatrician recommends Feet of Louisville. They yes. recommend the top place. The top place is a, often ABA. So if you don't know anything else, like if you would not send your child to gay conversion therapy, this is not the diagnosis you want. These are the questions to ask and be aware of. And there is another way to do diagnosis. You can find it. Yeah. And, and the, the thing most about all this is that the DSM is not even representative of the entire autistic experience. Because if you've seen my autism spectrum graphic, uh, we talk about special interests, stimming, extraoception, uh, our, our heightened sensitivity to the outside world, proprioception, differences in the way our bodies are oriented, interoception, we forget to eat, we forget to sleep, we forget to go to the bathroom, we, we don't pay attention to our meat bodies, emotional intensity, communication differences, relationship differences. We have differences in executive functioning because of the top-down versus bottom-up processing. Uh, our, if you uh, go back and listen to the chess episode, we have a very, very good deep dive on that. But this is the big thing about our hyper-connected brains that neurotypicals just don't get. And that's the reason why they don't respect the way that we process the world. And that's the reason why we have difficulty forming routines because, oh, and it turns out that uh, they just discovered that ADHD is also linked to the hyper-connected brain. Mm, I did see that study. So, so yeah. this is under repetitive behavior, hyperconnectedness. You want to talk a little bit more about that and like how you use that in a diagnosis maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the we, again, it, so uh, we are, when we deep dive into something, when we really, really love something, again, it's, we've got to have all the books. We've got to have all the things. We've got to have our collections. We've, it's like the Kinsey episode. He was so good at research because that was the thing that he really, really loved. Uh, identifying all the bugs, categorizing things, learning things, arranging the data, displaying the data, having your collection and, and displaying it proudly. Neurotypicals, because they don't have this, see that as weird and see it as something to be fixed. Because again, if a neurotypical comes into another space and they feel uncomfortable, it's obviously the other person's problem for not making them feel comfortable in, you know, not their space. And it's horrifying. And that's, all of this stuff is just, it's, I, I've spent the past five years in my own private practice seeing autistic people. I very, very rarely see allistic people these days uh, because, again, people seek me out, and I'm very, very thankful for all the people who seek me out. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in Autistic Connections, the Facebook group. I'm very, very grateful for everyone in there. I've got a lot of great autistic friends who are also therapists for autistic people. I've got autistic clients who come to me for autistic-centered therapy. And I've, I've had the great fortune to live in more or less an autistic bubble for the past few years. And it's been very, very protective for me. But 
again, having to do battle with a neurotypical for the safety of my son, because my, my son's grandfather is very, very fixated on him being quote unquote social, because that's all that matters to neurotypicals. How social are you? And it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying to see that that is the ability to make eye contact and the ability to make, make small talk does not make one a human being. So, so anyway, uh, again, this guy asked about, you know, how I see autism and agree to disagree. So he, he gave me this, uh, list of recommendations and okay, so this is what to do. We have identified your son is autistic. Yeah. Here's what's next. So, so anyway, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he gave me this and I said, well, this is clearly bullshit. And I said, well, I'll go get another one to give to my ex because he knew that I was going to tear this up. So it, it reads, and I read this directly from the Norton's Autism Center, uh, Norton Children's Autism Center. These are their recommendations. Uh-uh. You have just been told that your child has or may have autism. This may feel like devastating news for you, dot, dot, dot. Dreams and hopes you had for your child may seem out of reach. Many parents may feel this way, and it is a natural reaction when faced with this news. But you are not alone. Norton's Autism, Norton's Children Autism Center wants to help. At one time, autism was considered rare and hopeless, but this is no longer true. Many children with autism, especially with early intervention, make considerable improvement and may even mainstream into regular classrooms. Because again, we're all special ed cases. We are here to provide you with resources and referrals that can profoundly affect your child's outcome for the better. What is autism? At this time, the cause of autism is unknown and there is no known cure. Because again, they want to cure us and they don't recognize that. Well, there is a known genetic predisposition, which is the cause. Some concerns related to autism include social deficits, may show no interest interest in social games such as peekaboo or interactions with others. Communications, plural, issues, may not communicate typically verbally or non-verbally, may have decreased eye contact because it's all about the eye contact. Repetitive behaviors, such as staring at ceiling fans for hours, spinning, rocking, flapping, and flicking their fingers, or having excessive unusual interests. Again, not special interests. It's weird, because we're weird people, according to them. Other issues, sensory issues, such as seeking or avoiding smells, clothing, lights, or sounds, because of our intense sensory experiences. Gastrointestinal problems, such as diarrhea, constipation, and food sensitivities because our systems. Motor issues may be unable to pick up small objects, appear clumsy, have balance and coordination difficulties. Autism spectrum disorder is a quote-unquote catch-all word that is applied to a group of symptoms, some of which are described above. These occur in varying degrees depending on an individual child. And again, they link to autism speaks. What can be done? Early intervention strategies may include teaching the child to notice what is going on in their environment, to be able to pay attention, to imitate behavior, and later progress to communication skills and interact with others. NCAC will refer you to the appropriate services and specialists depending on your child's individual needs. Some children with autism may need speech, occupational, and or physical therapy, and this is true. But again, in Louisville, we have a center that is opening up later this year with actual autistic OTs, PTs, and SLPs who who know what it's like from the inside. 
So we'll be able to do that. But again, mm. if there are medical needs, appropriate referrals can be made to developmental medicine or other specialties. If there are emotional or mental health needs, referrals can be made to psychology or psychiatry. And here's where it kills me. ABA services. ABA therapy applies our understanding, their understanding, of how behavior works to real situations. The goal is to increase behaviors that are helpful and decrease behaviors that are harmful or affect learning. Behaviors to increase can include language and communication skills. Communication is not a behavior. God damn it. <laughs> language is not a behavior. Attention, focus, not behaviors. Social skills, behaviors, Largely meaningless. Memory and academics, not behaviors. NCAC is affiliated with Little Star ABA. Little Star ABA offers comprehensive ABA services ranging from 20 to 40 hours. What? 20 to 40 hours a week. What? Putting your child what? in a full-time job to fix the autism. And I wonder how successful that is. It's not. If you worked on it for 40 hours a week, the chances must be got at least 99% if we were going to spend tens of thousands of dollars and 40 hours a week. I'm sure it works. Yeah. Yeah. Except it, it doesn't. Not at, at all. all. <laughs> uh, well, so ABA is just as effective as fixing autism as it is in keeping tigers away. Because, you know, if there's an ABA therapist who comes to your house and they say, well, thanks to the ABA therapist, you weren't mangled by tigers today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Because you're in jail. Yeah. And therefore, your behaviors aren't bothering your parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, they say, oh, yes, it's perfectly successful because kids who went through 40 hours of ABA from ages four till 14 uh, are now uh, behaving like at a 14 year old without taking into account the kids naturally age out of a lot of stuff and that they will grow. And ABA doesn't change aging. Mm. And it's just infuriating to see them take credit for that. But again, ABA is a multi-billion dollar, $1.8 billion a year industry. So they, they create a solution because they created a problem. Right. Exactly. And that's why I'm like, you have to look at what their solution is before you sign up for a diagnosis, because obviously they're going to diagnose the thing they can solve. Yeah. They're not going to come back and say, well, there's not an opportunity for money here. That's how capitalism works. Yeah. Yeah. Because acceptance is free. Right. And um, I was I watched that. Um, it's like a cult documentary. It's yeah. called Shiny Happy People. Ooh, have you heard of this? I, one? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay, so it's about that family, the Dugars, that had that show. It was like 19 and counting. Yeah, and it turns out that they were like pedophiles. <laughs> yeah, so that is a part of it. But what's even more interesting to me, that was like a big aha moment, is there's a there's a, another person who's interviewed, an expert who had been in this community of evangelical Christians. And she said, I saw all these kids, 19 kids, however it was, 17, and they're all so well-behaved and so well-mannered. And she said, it made me so sad because I know what it takes to get that many kids to be so well-mannered. It must be authoritarian as hell. Yeah, that is correct. So a bit, there is child abuse in this documentary, but also it's about corporal punishment and their big teaching was like 
spare the rod, spoil the child. So there were actual classes that were taught on how to beat your children and what to use to beat them and uh, lots and lots of spanking and threats of spanking and not just like with, like with, with branches that they have to go out and find themselves and they have to say thank you after. And it is super sick, but how different is that than ABA? Because if ABA is working, all that means is you were able to be beaten into submission. Yeah. Because again, and so then maybe you can mask a little bit better because you're afraid for your own life. Yeah. And that's the thing. It causes masking. It causes PTSD. And I, I work with a lot of people who underwent ABA as children and now they have no idea who they are because everything is about performance for the people around, for the neurotypicals around them. Right. And there are so many adults who were ABA'd without being officially ABA'd. And that's the reason they were abusive to their autistic children because their autistic children are being authentically autistic, but were, were abused because the parents couldn't do stuff. So they didn't want to make the, so they couldn't let the children do it. Mm -hmm. And all of this, this is just horrifying and it's horrifying. It's a horrifying experience. And there were at least 15 other kids in the waiting room while we were sitting there. So they do this day in and day out and churning through autistic children are just grist for the machine. Mm. And it hurts. Capitalism. It, It kills me to know that this is normal. To know that, right. again, because, again, I, I'm very, very happy to do autism-affirming evaluations. I'm very, very happy to invite people into Autistica. I'm very, very happy to talk about the great parts of being autistic and autistic pride and all this stuff. It's just horrifying that this is what we have to deal with in the outside world. And just to try to explain to neurotypicals, why ABA is bad. And they say, no, but you're not like me and I'm good. So you need to be more like me because that ridiculous self-centeredness is, is in, I, I can't take that. And he just couldn't see it. I mean, even with your credentials and being right in front of him, yeah, he's like giggling and saying agree uh-huh. to disagree. But it's a very weird thing to agree to disagree. Would you agree that you're not human? I would like to exactly. uh, just agree. You think you're human and I don't think you're human. We're going to have to disagree on that. Yeah. We are. It, it's that, it's horrifying. Uh, I don't want to disagree on that. I and this is part of the whole colonialist bullshit that ABA is part of because these same people. Uh, and, and again, my my son is white, but black people are preyed upon even worse with ABA mm. because ABA practitioners say you don't want the cops to kill your children, do you? And that is horrifying. Because like Elijah McCain, just walking home in the same police district as that guy who killed all those people in the movie theater. The guy in the movie theater was arrested with no problems. Elijah McCain was walking home from playing his violin to cats at the uh, shelter. And they said that he was walking funny. So they 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 held him down until he couldn't breathe, then injected him with what Uh, I, I can't remember what. It's the, yeah, yeah. Tr- tranquilizer yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, they don't see us as humans. They don't see our lives as valuable. During the pandemic, 
the CDC uh, issued guidelines on who to treat in the event that uh, treatment had to be restricted. And it turns out that autistic people have like uh, a 0.3 uh, in relation to uh, neurotypicals. So uh, autistic people would have been denied coverage if they didn't have. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we got to spend a little time on this topic now that you said that. Yeah. So. Um, I see this post at least once a day. Obviously, I'm not against formal diagnosis, but people will often ask, what is the benefit of a formal diagnosis? And when you learn that a formal diagnosis for your kid could mean you're going to get pressured by a grandparent or a co-parent into 20 to 40 hours of ABA therapy a week, that's a reason not to get a formal diagnosis. Um, and when you hear, hey, if we're in a triage situation in the hospital emergency room and we have to know who to treat, and if you've got a formal autism diagnosis, we're going to put you in the dye pile. Yeah. That's a reason not to get a formal diagnosis. So, And four states also have an autism registry that is mandatory for some reason. Indiana, West Virginia, and I can't remember the oh, and Puerto Rico all have mandatory autism registration because again, situations like, like this. sex offender yes. registration. Oh, I do know. Also, there are several countries. If you have a foreign di formal diagnosis, you can't. Uh, they won't take you as an yeah. immigrant. I, New Zealand, Australia, one of those two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give me pros and cons here. I mean, you you actually lobbied for this diagnosis. You wanted the diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, yeah Obviously not from that guy. That's but. the thing, because the diagnosis depends greatly on who you go to. For instance, I don't do insurance. So when I give a diagnosis, it only stays with the people. Because uh, if you have an autism diagnosis that's affirming, that uh, if you know not to do ABA, you can get accommodations in school, you can get accommodations in college, you can get accommodations at work. Because again, we are protected under the ADA and the CARES Act, which means that people have to give you the accommodations that you need, which can be life-saving. And also, mm -hmm. if you go to somebody who's knowledgeable, for instance, like with me, I give lots of, uh, you know, support about how to take care of your meat body, how to keep routines, uh, the limitations that you may experience. And you need to know this kind of stuff. But again, if you're going to go and to somebody. Also, um, and also uh, disability. Yes. Right? Oh, God, a, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Disability. Which is a big one. Yeah. And disability is a very, very big one. And uh, there are a lot of autistic people who are disabled, but not because it's a medical disability, because it's a social disability. Mm -hmm. We are often exhausted. For instance, like my immune system crashed hard after all of this. And I spent almost all yesterday just completely out of it. Unfortunately, my son was just nice enough to sit and draw with me. And we, we didn't do a whole lot. We just sit at home and draw. So, so let's co-regulate. Hey, hey kid, want to co-regulate yeah, today? We, we cuddled a lot and looked at his Aww. art galaxy. And uh, my, my son doesn't know the word gallery. So we hang up a whole bunch of his pictures and he calls it his art galaxy. And I love it. So An art we, galaxy. I want an art galaxy. 
We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that L-P-P, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowerylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. Okay, so uh, IEPs, accommodations at school, accommodations in the workplace. uh, What was the one we just said? Disability. Uh, uh, Disability. Those are good. If you need any of those things, then managing the some of the downsides of a diagnosis and trying to do it in a way that is not a bad uh, autism diagnosis experience is key. Yeah. What about if people want uh, to self-diagnose or peer-reviewed? What are your What are your thoughts on the pros and cons there? Uh, so I think authentically autistic people tend to do the research anyway. <laughs> so, uh, I, I love when you talk about people who come into your office yeah. for a diagnosis, they're like, here are my six binders. Yes. Uh, do you think I'm autistic? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, we could do the whole session, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I get, uh, emails with hundreds and hundreds of pages of notes and I'm like, yeah, this is easy. But uh, every once in a while, I get an holistic person. There was one who came in one day and uh, I was like, uh, so uh, I'm curious, why do you why are why do you think you're autistic? And he said, well, people say I'm an asshole. And I'm like, well, I can't verify that or not. I don't have a test for that. But again, doesn't, you know, not autistic in any other way. And he said, well, but uh, that means that if I'm not autistic, uh, I'll have to get a job. I was like, that, right. that may be the case, sir. I, I Also, you might be an asshole. Yeah. And you might want to work on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but, but I mean, authentically autistic people do the research and totally, totally valid because, again, people who are autistic and think that they might be autistic have looked up for years, have done the DSM, have looked up the alternatives. I was going to say, if you have taken, if you have read three or more peer-reviewed studies yeah. or have taken the time to create a an Excel spreadsheet that includes any macros and more than five columns about your symptoms, let me tell you, uh, just saying, it's, it's looking good exactly. that you're in clubtism. Exactly, exactly. And, so, and if you have a lot of autistic friends, you know, and they say, yeah, you're probably one of us then you're probably one of us. And or a child or a parent. Yes. And, and, yeah. And if you think that, and again, you can look at it in families. You can see all this. I knew that my son was autistic way before a neurotypical affirmed it. Right. But you wanted a diagnosis for school accommodations? Uh, Is that why you're... Like- I, I, I wanted him to go to a friend of mine. Uh, so uh, if you're in Kentucky, uh, I, I, or if you have SIPACT, uh, I got a friend named Jessica Newland who sees adults. She doesn't see children uh, these days. So she's also good. But uh, 
there are other people out there who can see adults, uh, who can see kids. I wanted an affirming evaluation, but my ex signed uh, him up for this without telling me. Okay, so here's the thing. I think a lot of people, especially adults, especially adults whose kids went through a diagnosis, think a formal diagnosis is going to be affirming. Like they are thinking, oh, then I'll know. It's like if I got diagnosed with, I don't know, a bursitis in my shoulder, it'll be like, here it is on the screen. You have it. Here's what we do. We do shoulder surgery. Then you'll feel better. And then if they don't have that formal diagnosis, they often go through this imposter syndrome of like, well, maybe if I just saw the x-ray of my bursitis, then I wouldn't question it. But I have found even people who got a professional diagnosis and by people, I'm going to say me. So I have a, I have a formal diagnosis, but it's a weird story. I was thinking about suing an employer and my lawyer said, if, and for an ADA violation, they were making me sign a, um, they were making me sign an agreement. I think it was to stop being an asshole, but to stop swearing. And then That's I agreed bizarre. to be terminated if I like swore. I've got a little like exemption. If I swear a lot. Anyway, so I wouldn't sign it because I knew I wasn't going to not swear. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, this doesn't make sense. This is just a trap. Just fire me or don't fire yeah. me. But so... Anyway, my lawyer was like, yeah, go to this guy. He'll get you the diagnosis and then we can do this lawsuit. So I knew whoever that therapist was, was in bed with the, probably got a cut of whatever settlement. Like he was in bed with my lawyer. And you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, like we were saying with ABA. Well, he wasn't going to come back and not diagnose me if it meant he wasn't going to get a cut of this lawsuit. So even though I had my binders and my spreadsheets and I'd read a thousand books on autism and listened to every podcast and audiobook and watched every TV show, I would, I still spent years thinking, what if I'm faking it? What if this wasn't real? What if this was just a setup? There are, whether you self-diagnose, whether you go to a professional, it is very common to doubt your diagnosis. And I know you've talked about this before, but where do you think that comes from? Uh, I think it comes from years and years of people saying, you're, you're too sensitive. Don't pay attention to that. And saying, oh, yes, you can't be right about this. And, you know, that's not normal. Or everybody does that because other autistic people in your family don't know that they're autistic. And mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's, but don't you think it's all part of like internalized ableism? Oh, yeah. And like not wanting to say like there's this whole thing about functioning labels and it's like, well, if I say this, is it taking away from someone who's maybe non-speaking or somebody who has more co-occurring conditions or like, is this my space to play in? That work is actually the work of therapy, not the work of diagnosis. Exactly. Exactly. Because again, autism is a disability in this system. And uh, this is a thing that I am confronting right now because I am burned the hell out at the moment because of all the stress from all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. My immune system crashed. I have to come to a realization 
that I, I can't do as much as I want to do because the world is overwhelming. But again, I'm a professional. I can do all kinds of stuff. I write disability letters for other people, but I don't give myself that same kind of accommodation because of internalized ableism, internalized capitalism, and I have to take care of everyone. And I, I don't want to leave anyone out in the cold. And I, I really need to, th- this is why I need to stick to my guns and not work on Fridays. <laughs> yes. If you're hearing this and you're wondering when Matt's going to get back to you, be patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I took the last week off with my son and I checked my email. I have 78 emails to answer and Yay. it's going to take a bit. Yeah. Hold, hold, hold on to your horses. This is uh, the thing about a bad autism diagnosis is it will create meltdowns, dysregulation, burnout. So you're going, you've been on a waiting list, you go into this diagnosis and now that it's happened, now it's like, okay, how do we work through this process through this, especially with co-parenting with a kid? Now you found out that's going to be viewed by half of the family as some sort of tragedy, is this going to be an ongoing fight on the treatment plan? Like, are your, are your credentials and your expertise on what the treatment plan should be not going to be respected by the co-parent? Exactly. So that's a tough, that's a tough road. And by the way, even if you are married, I mean, I'm sure you've had clients who disagree on the treatment plan for their kid. I, I find for, for autistic parents who have the internalized ableism, they want their kids to be quote unquote normal. For neurotypical parents of autistic children, they want their children to be quote unquote normal. For healthy autistic parents of autistic children, they want their children to be happy. Hmm. And I'm going with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exhausting and it's infuriating and it, it hurts to know that uh, this is going to be a battle for the next 11 years to try to keep my child happy and healthy instead of beaten into submission through authoritarian means so that, you know, people can proudly say that my child is indistinguishable from peers. Right. Yeah. I, I don't understand the fascination with conformity. I don't understand why neurotypicals prize conformity. Uh, every, like all the people that we feature on the podcast and all the people that I idolize, they stand out. And but this I can, this I can tell you, this is the, the, the idolizing of normalcy is so that you don't get kicked out of the village just from a biological and evolutionary, like you will not get the food of the village. You will not be able to survive alone in the woods. Yeah. So stay normal, stay alive. It is a biological drive. Stay stay male, stay stay (laughs) cisgender. And that's the thing because these are all white supremacist, colonialist bullshit things that we have to confront as a society if we're not going to be a society of assholes. Yeah. And it's just, it kills me to see people buy into that shit. And it's, yep. it just, it's horrifying to me. It's, I, I wish the, people were more, t- not just tolerant, but accepting, welcoming of those who are different. Right. Well, that's the difference between 
autism awareness and autism acceptance, right? Yeah, like, exactly. oh, I'm aware of those freaks. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how about, like, what's the upside of actually accepting and integrating and welcoming differences? Because we all have them and it's better for everyone. Yeah. I think it's better for neurotypical people too. Well, they, nobody loses if well, we win. And, and that's the thing about, you know, like genetic conformity. The, the Tasmanian devil is on the verge of extinction because all of the Tasmanian devils in the world are almost genetically identical. And they're all succumbing to the same virus right now. But that's the thing. If you have people of differences with different ideas and different views, the society actually improves. So when they kick out the weirdos, they're left to this group think that allows them to be run over by demagogues who crash their families into the ground. And that's that's why we we as a society benefit from all types of people. And I, I really, really wish that more people knew that instead of just being fearful and xenophobic of those who are different. Yeah. Well, we are here to change that. We're here to change that at the Autistic Culture Podcast as much as we can. If you are not diagnosed and thinking of getting a diagnosis, protect yourself from bad autistic diagnoses. You can. You can do the research and ask the right questions. Throw your questions into any of the comments for us as well. We want to make sure you and your child have an affirming experience. Matt, any final thoughts in this special episode, things that you want to share, want people to know that you haven't said? I, I, I just, I thank the autistic community for allowing me to be here, to allowing me to be present, to allow me to make a living doing what I'm doing because I, I get people who come in and they happy cry whenever we talk mm. about all this stuff. And I mean, again, from my perspective, this is just normal because uh, again, I'm very affirming. I love the autistic world. I love, you know, the things that we do. And I'm like, well, thank you. I'm glad that you're happy. But after going through this, I'm like, Oh God, this is the alternative. Oh my this God. Is the alternative. And it's, it kills me. It, it literally kills me. Uh, my immune system is crashed because of this. Uh, it, it just hurts to know that this is what other people have to go through. And I am really, really sorry for anyone out there who has to go through a bad evaluation. I know when I worked at a local community mental health center, I did some really bad evaluations because all of my reports had to be approved by a supervisor and they wanted theory of mind and all that other nonsense. And I refused to put it in there. And I had to have a conversation with someone uh, and because I knew the kid was autistic. Mom knew the kid was autistic. And I was like, I can't put this in the report because that's not how they do things here. They say it's a behaviorism thing. I can't write that. I'm very sorry. And I haven't had to deal with that in five years. And it's, it's horrifying that that's the norm. So I'm, yeah. I'm really, really sorry for anyone who has to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I know I am really sorry that you are having to deal with this of all people. Yeah. I can only imagine this experience is being sent to you to give you more energy in the long run to end this type of diagnosis. So we're going to get louder. We're going to get clearer. We're going to get stronger because this leads to 
very negative outcomes for our people and we are not going to stand for it. So thanks for listening to our special episode. We are still on hiatus until the fall. So enjoy this little special drop in your feed. We're going to come back in the fall, hopefully well rested and not burned out. And we are excited to connect with you then. Thanks for being here. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Thank mm-hmm. you.